Welcome to the perfume room. My scent of the day today is the newest from the Erin collection, and it is a flanker on Mediterranean honeysuckle. It is Mediterranean honeysuckle mimosa. And I will say this is the first time I've ever worn a 13-syllable title fragrance. What a mouthful. Mediterranean honeysuckle mimosa. Say that five times fast. But I will say this fragrance delivers, and for the amount of effort it takes to say its name, it is an effortlessly stunning fragrance. If you've smelled the OG, which I have, and you know what? I liked it, but I I didn't love it the way that I love this one. To me, the OG definitely felt more spring floral, more blooming. It reminded me um, kind of similar to like commodity nectar. And in this one, I think there's a much stronger musky, mossy feel to it and almost akin to... You know how the base of so many Maison Francis Kirkjian fragrances that we love and talk about have a sort of like fruity, citrusy, musky DNA, like I'm thinking of Amiris Femme, Aqua Universalis, Aqua Celestia, Petit Maton. There's that similarity in all of their fragrances. And I think that Mediterranean Honeysuckle Mimosa is a great contender with that similar sort of like citrus, musky, mossy base. And I'm just really loving how this wears on my skin. I don't see notes of heliotrope listed, but I smell something a little bit powdery in it, which I'm enjoying, but I love how fresh and citrusy, but also blooming this fragrance wears. Um, And it is a new spring favorite for me. Also, an exciting announcement. I am adding a new segment to the beginning of every episode and I'm calling it the best of the week. I have been so fortunate that recently I've been getting a lot of PR and because of it, between all the bottles and samples, I feel like there are so many great fragrances that sort of get lost in the shuffle and I don't get a chance to talk about them. So each week I'm going to round up my favorite samples of that week and talk about them here. Since this is a brand new segment, I'm going to combine the last two weeks and I have five wonderful fragrances I want to talk to you about, plus an exciting discount announcement. We already talked about Mediterranean Honeysuckle Mimosa, so I'll talk about the four others, starting with the newest Goldfield and Banks fragrance, Sunset Hour. And this one is fun. This one is a sort of tropical, but also sort of linen-y fresh fragrance. And it's sort of giving me somewhere in between BTK, Passoir, and Maison Crevelli, Hibiscus Mahajad, in that there's this like sort of tart, but tropical, but sweet saccharine feel to it. And I'm getting a sort of like bitter peach note. Like it's, it's very tart, but it also... It does sort of smell like a cocktail. I'm getting something that almost feels lemony in the opening, but it feels very like, you know, golden hour. It smells like a drink that you would have on a beach at golden hour on a tropical vacation. And I'm just really enjoying it. Next up, I feel like I should talk about this line as a whole, but I have been so impressed with Teo Cabanel. They sent me samples of all of their fragrances. And as I have been posting on Instagram, the one that quickly rose to the top was Je ne sais quoi, mais je sais quoi. It is spectacular. It is the ricey lactonic fragrance of my dreams. If you've been following for a while, you know I am on a never-ending quest for a perfect lactonic scent. And when I say that, I'm not trying to smell like a straight-up dairy aisle. When I say lactonic, I really mean that sort of creamy, cocoony, enveloping, almost weedy feel which is why I think it's interesting that wheat and rice notes in fragrance 
often are described as lactonic smelling. It doesn't have to be a literal translation. I don't want to smell like 2% milk. I just want to smell milky, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, what I love about Je ne sais quoi that I have not been able to find in other ricey, weedy fragrances is that it is incredibly realistic, it is incredibly edible, and yet it still smells like perfume. When you smell this, you immediately get matcha tea notes and rice notes in such a beautiful way, but there's also such a beautiful balance of floral notes and it dries down in a sort of soft, floral, almost soapy way, but retains that cocoony, ricey, cozy feel throughout the whole wear. Okay, the next one I want to talk about is Moss Expressive from Commodity. They just sent me a bottle, and this has been a fragrance I have longed after for a long time. I believe that Moss Expressive is the same formula as the OG Commodity Moss, which you guys know has been a longtime favorite. I often describe this as a better alternative to the Labo Bergamot 22. I'd say the biggest difference is Bergamot 22 takes you on more of a journey. I think the beginning, middle, and dry down of that fragrance really evolves quite beautifully and opens sort of like citrusy and fresh and then sort of dries down into something sort of fiery and sweet and aromatic. And Commodity Moss is a little bit more what you get in the beginning is what you're going to get throughout. But I will say with that, the opening of this fragrance, which is also very similar to the, the dry down, is absolutely stunning and almost identical to La Labo Bergamot 22. I find this to be such a beautiful, soft, spicy, fresh, mossy scent. And I love the bergamot note in here. And I love that it just, it feels fiery and green at the same time. I fully recommend it. You could totally wear this in like a fancy occasion. You could wear it in a casual occasion. You could dress it up with a skirt and heels. You could wear jeans and sneakers and every single thing in between. And while we are on the topic of better alternatives to Lalabo, I never thought this day would come, but the fifth fragrance I want to talk about is one that I finally feel comfortable recommending as a better alternative to Te Noir 29, which also happens to be the scent of the Edition Hotel Lobby. And that scent is Aspen Apothecary Dusk. If you guys listened to episode eight, I had Kata on the podcast. She came into my apartment wearing a mod. I was freaking out in like a creepy way. I was like, what are you wearing? I need this when this comes out. Please, can I have it? I'm obsessed. And it is on pre-order now and it is so good. And no, it does not smell identical to Te Noir 29. There are obviously differences this one has a beautiful lily and berry note and some bay notes. But with that said, it smells sort of like expensive and opulent in the same way. And if you love Te Noir 29, I feel very confident that this fragrance will also scratch your itch. The difference being that this juice is CBD infused, vegan and cruelty free. It's also free of any parabens, phthalates and nitro musks, which is actually a topic that comes up in today's episode. It has sustainable packaging, not to mention it is a small black owned business. I just cannot get enough. And as promised, here's my exciting new discount. I am now an affiliate partner of Lucky Scent. I recommend so many Lucky Scent fragrances that I was like, you know what? It is about damn time. So you can now use the code PERFUMEROOM10 for 10% off any order that is $40 or more. It does have to be over $40. Use the code PERFUMEROOM10 for that sweet, sweet discount at checkout. And as I do with several affiliate partners, I do get a small commission of any purchase you make with that code. So I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of a win-win for both of us. So with that said... Happy shopping. 
Are we ready to move on to the guest? Okay. We are so lucky today. We are joined by Josie Plumet. Josie is an avid fragrance lover and collector. And when I say collector, I mean it, okay? Because here I am out here thinking my collection is huge because I have like, I don't know at this point, maybe like 65 fragrances. And no, Josie has, are you ready for this number? Josie has over 570 fragrances. She collects rare and vintage fragrances and you will hear all about them in this episode. Honestly, I think that she should charge an admission fee just to enter her apartment. 10 out of 10 would pay. Josie has been able to turn her passion into her career. She has extensive experience in both the retail and distribution sides of fragrance and is currently the sales and community manager at Quintessence, which is an exclusive U.S. distributor of niche fragrance lines, including Critical Darlings, BDK Parfum, Clive Christian, Fragrance Dubois, Parfum Frappant, Obvious Perfumes, Royal Crown, and Veronique Goodbye. And if you're wondering what it exactly means to be a distributor, you will learn all about it in today's episode. You will also hear about Josie's biggest splurge, as well as the affordable fragrance that we all need in our collection, according to Josie. Without further ado, here's today's guest. Josie, welcome to the Perfume Room. It's so great to be with you today. I am so honored and excited to be here. Thank you, Emma. We were originally, for all the listeners, going to record this in my apartment, and my building shut off the water, and I told Josie, it's going to be porta potty style if you want to come over, and um, she was immediately dissuaded, and now we're in your office. <laughs> yes, welcome to Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It smells it here. fantastic in here. It does. We are in the Quintessence office, and... Um, Josie just let me spray a lot of perfumes I've been curious about, and um, it's very fragrant in here. I wish we could have actually just recorded that. All the sprays? All the sprays. We could do it, we could do it over and pretend. Well, the thing <laughs> is, you did pull a few. So I did, we'll get to it later, but I did ask Josie to pull a few of her favorites. So we will talk about some great fragrances mm-hmm. that should be on everyone's radar. But I always start the podcast with the following question. What are you currently wearing? Okay, so before we started recording, I was actually wearing something that we do not distribute here at Quintessence. I have a tendency, I own over 500 bottles. Holy shit. Uh, My last. Your perfumes need their own apartment. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. It's like Jenga in my living room. It's terrible. (laughs) And so typically when I come to work in the morning, and this has always been a habit, since I started working in fragrance, I always wear something from home Mm -hmm. and then inevitably end up putting something from work on top. Mm -hmm. So when I left my apartment this morning, I was wearing Scents of Wood Neroli in Acacia. I think that's what I was wearing because I just received it last night in the mail. I picked up a bottle. Um, And so what did I just put on before we started recording? Oh, Liquide Imaginaire Bet Humane. It's the new release. It just hasn't hit the U.S. market yet. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, fun fact or not so fun fact for everyone here in the U.S. and Canada, we're the last market to get new releases. Wow. Always. I'm sorry about that. What are the main differences? Like who, what's the order of markets in terms of like receiving new fragrances? Um, usually when a brand launches, it's usually Europe mm-hmm. and the Middle East first. Okay. Um, and Europe is just a really, I'm generalizing because mm-hmm. a lot of times fragrance markets will split Russia mm-hmm. because the Russian market's very huge right. for fragrance and Russia will often be its own market within, mm-hmm. you know, the European continent. 
at the end of the day, we're last. <laughs> we're just always wow. last. And that has to do mostly with the fact that it's so dang hard to ship things right. into the U.S. Mm-hmm. Customs is the bane of every perfume brand's existence. U.S. Customs is insane. I actually have a question about that. I heard that you cannot ship fragrances via airplane because they're flammable. Is that a thing? Is everything ground shipping for fragrance? Um, There is something called a dangerous goods license. And so perfumeries, perfume companies will have that so that you can legally ship things. Interesting. But, you know, us as lay people, no, we're not supposed to ship perfume you know, via USPS yeah, or FedEx I, or UPS. I went to ship some perfume out the other day um, and I told the woman there was perfume in it. And then she was like, don't tell me that. I don't want to know. Say that there's no perfume in this. And then I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I said there was no perfume in it. <laughs> and then I started like, I also have anxiety, which is a me problem. And as I was driving away from the post office, I'm like, a plane's going to blow up and it's going to be my fault. And they're going to trace it back to the fact that I put a bottle of perfume in there. <laughs> so I went back to the post office. I was like, I want to do it the right way. I want to ship it ground. And she's like, you're fine. She was like, I have sent flammable things and they she's like and in front of all these people in the post office her co-worker came over she's like you're not gonna blow up a plane miss and I was like okay <laughs> you know so I really just wanted to clarify for my own anxiety no it's fine although I have to tell you I share that anxiety whenever I travel for work or for pleasure I don't pack hairspray mm-hmm. I just buy it wherever I'm going just so I I know in my heart mm-hmm. my hairspray is not going to explode in the cargo hold I can't be responsible for what if no good deed you know what I mean here I'm trying to get rid of <laughs> perfume I don't want to cause a like a plane explosion <laughs> it's anyway. never happened it's don't never ha- worry yeah that's what I called my mom I'm like are we okay and she's like have you ever heard of a FedEx plane exploding because of Creed Aventus I was like no <laughs> no. no okay I'll stop um, yeah just you know don't worry everyone your perfume is transported very safely across the globe it's fine. Amazing. Thank you so much. I, I I, feel all the listeners will feel as reassured as I am. And for everyone who received a package from me, I risked everything to do it. So, okay. Tell me about Bet Humane. Oh, yeah. So maybe I should tell everyone what I do. Oh, yes. So, hi, everyone. I'm Josie again. I'm Josie. And I am the sales and community manager for Quintessence. And we are the U.S. distributors of such lines like BDK Parfums, which I'm sure you may know, uh, Fragrance Dubois, Veronique Goodbye, Parfums for Pont, Obvious, Royal Crown, and Liquide Imaginaire. What an amazing assortment. You have the best job ever. I am very lucky, yes. Yeah. It is, it is amazing. I have spent the last 10 plus years of my working life in luxury, um, specifically luxury fragrance. And I have to tell you, every time I come into this office, it's like a dream come true. It smells amazing in here. And this is a, we're in a greater co-working space. And you were telling me before we started recording that like people who work in other, um, you know, co-working spaces here will like come over and like want a spritz of something or ask what you sprayed. And I mean, it's one of the perks of the job, right? Yeah, it's I mean, you can't be mad walking past our office door. No. You just smell how good the air is in it's here. It's beautiful. Okay, so you are so you put on Liquide Imaginaire, yeah, Bet Humane. Tell me what we are what we are smelling. So in English, that's the human beast, and so the idea of this fragrance is man's return to nature. Mm. So it's incredibly green, foresty. So you have the smell of 
as I sniff myself on the microphone, <laughs> chestnuts, vetiver, guyac wood, cedar, mm-hmm. sandalwood. So it's warm, it's toasty, it's hyper green with a hint of creaminess thanks to the sandalwood. Wow. I love a green fragrance. Mm -hmm. And you can see, I I wish you could all see as you listen to the podcast, my tester bottle in the office has a huge dent in it. And that's just from me spraying it all over myself every day Mm -hmm. when I'm here. By dent, you mean like there's a lot of like, it's not like dented. No, it's not dented. Just a lot used. I've just used a lot of this fragrance. I think the only other one in the line that I've worn this much is Dom Rosa. Mm, Which is another one you sprayed for me and it's an absolute grapefruit stunner. Yeah, it's the smell of rosé champagne. So if anyone is into that sort of sparkly, effervescent, fruity rose, this is a phenomenal one. Beautiful. And so these are brands that I am not, a lot of these, I haven't seen them really distributed a lot in the U.S. And I know that that's exactly what Quintessence does. Mm -hmm. Where are these distributed and and what is the, what is a day like for you? What is distribution? So I have to say that my boss has a phenomenal eye for picking up these brands. These are lines that have been huge hits everywhere else and they just were not here yet. And Mm -hmm. in picking them up, he has made it possible for all of our favorite retailers here in the U.S. to actually start carrying these lines. Mm -hmm. In my previous life, I managed a boutique here in New York City called Oswald. And I was also the buyer for that store. And it was always hard for us as a retailer to pick up a line from overseas that did not have a distributor because of the cost of freight of of shipping. There are a lot of there are a lot of difficulties in just trying to get a package from Europe, right? And especially something that is a declared dangerous good like fragrance mm-hmm. and so, not explosive, just dangerous. No, well, they <laughs> you know the, this U.S. the U.S. calls it a dangerous good because it's alcohol based, you mm-hmm. know, and it's flammable. And you know the key role of a distributor for anything, whether it's fragrance or it's cheese, you know, there are cheese distributors. If anyone's looking for a job, mm-hmm. wine distributor, clothing, shoes, you know, there are distributors for every commercial good. And the key job of a distributor, regardless of the industry, is to have an eye out on what's hot in the general market mm-hmm. and to pinpoint a need. And these were all brands that were getting a ton of hype, a ton of love, online, in every other major market throughout the world, but just we're not here. Right. And so in us having them as distributors, we're able to, you know, take them to stores across the country. Mm-hmm. And so now it's easier for you to discover Fragrance Dubois or discover BDK or discover Liquide mm-hmm. or any of the other lines that we distribute. Interesting. You know, it's, I try and talk to people in different parts of the perfume industry just also so that listeners know the different careers that you can Mm -hmm. have in the industry so you guys don't have a storefront you are working with places like twisted lily and lucky scent yes exactly we're not as we're not a retailer we're a distributor Mm -hmm. um and so we are the people who provide the things to the stores that you love amazing yeah Um, I also wanted to talk to you going back to when we were talking about you know european markets versus u.s Mm -hmm. markets one of the things that we had talked about earlier was just the difference in how um, the markets experience perfume. And we were talking specifically about discovery kits. What, what's the major difference there? Oh, gosh, where do I start with this question? So the U.S. is has been generally slower 
to embrace fragrance as its own thing Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the rest of the world. And what I mean by that is I think up until fairly recently, and I really want to credit the advent of social media Mm -hmm. uh, to this trend. And and I mean social media going back 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. like pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, pre-TikTok, back to when it was just written blogs and live journal in MySpace. Zanga. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All of those. We in this country typically wore fragrance as a way to either just literally smell better or really to attract other people. We wore fragrance for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we were before we started recording, you were asking me, you know, in my previous life working on the retail side of things, what was a question that I got all the time? And the question that I got all the time from clients at my former job was, I want to smell good when I go out on a date or I go to the club or I go to a bar, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm recently single, I'm recently divorced, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to, I'm, I'm hot. Yeah. I want people to date me. Yeah. But that is not a question that you hear really in other markets. Interesting. The rest of the world wears fragrance for themselves, for themselves. And as an appreciation of fragrance and Mm. you know the same way that we appreciate fashion Mm -hmm. you know we wear the things that we find interesting we find stylish we find flattering Mm -hmm. we do that here in the U.S. for everything but fragrance basically you know a lot of times people just walk into a department store and get you know handed a blotter and say okay this smells good I'll buy it right right I was in Saks recently and while I was there I was there for 10 minutes three different sets of women came in and said, um, I want to buy a bottle of the one, the red one, the Baccarat one, I think. Oh, Baccarat Rouge, yeah. No, like that's what they would say, like that, like the red, yeah. like that. And like they didn't even know what they were buying. Yeah. And then someone would hand them the bottle and they'd be like, okay, thank you. Like without even trying it. And it was just like, you heard this is the bottle to get and you yeah. got the bottle. It's just yeah. so interesting to me. Versus the exploration exactly. aspect. Exactly, right. Um, and so we have seen in the last... 10 years, especially with kind of 10 to 15 years with the advent of niche perfume stores, you know, Adis Venustas here in New York City has been Mm -hmm. around since the 90s. Mm -hmm. But I think it wasn't until Lucky Scent launched in 2004, Mm -hmm. where people started to understand that this was a thing that they could actually get into as a hobby, Mm -hmm. which is around the time I got into it Mm -hmm. at the end of high school when I started college. And now because we have so many outlets for information, you know, we have Instagram, we have YouTube, we have, I mean, people, I guess, still use Facebook. We have TikTok. And we just have so many resources on the internet that people can actually just look up these brands mm-hmm. and look up certain fragrances and decide, hey, I actually want to find this mm-hmm. and I want to discover this. And that is something that was always interesting for me on a retail aspect. You know, I would have people come into my old job and ask about a line I hadn't heard of before Mm -hmm. or had heard of but never smelled Mm -hmm. and now here on the other side of things as a distributor we I'm I'm being told about brands that I should look into from you know customers of the retailers that we work with or the retailers themselves like hey you know this is interesting yeah so what's a typical day like like are you fielding calls with brands are you fielding calls with stores um it's different every day um I can't really get into the specifics, but I can tell you that what I mostly do 
is I'm dealing with our social media Mm -hmm. Um, and our social media is really meant to promote our retailers Mm -hmm. and our brands and create awareness for the product and for the stores. And I do a lot of education and a lot of training and I travel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we are at many, our brands are carried by, I think, basically every major retailer in the country. So mm-hmm. I get to actually visit all of I, them. I saw you went to Philly in the snowstorm last <laughs> yes, week. Yes, I, I survived yeah. the blizzard and went to Philadelphia. Very and, happy for you. And then I was in Washington, D.C. before that. I traveled quite a bit uh, over the holidays. It's, I wish I could give you a concrete answer of what the job is like, but it's just, it's different every day, which is exciting. Yeah. Because this is an industry that just keeps growing. Right. So going back to what I always open with, Mm -hmm. the other question I always ask is, what are your thoughts on signature scents? And would you say you have one? No, I own (laughs) way too many fragrances to have a signature. Um, Like I said, I own over 500 bottles. I think it's about 560 or 575. But what I do have is I have the Holy Grail fragrances. So the fragrances that I could get rid of nearly everything else that I own, but I would have to keep these few on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you tell us some of the Holy Grails? Yes, and this is going to be irritating to most listeners. Uh, when I used to work at my former job, I was asked this question multiple times a day, you know, what's your signature, what's your favorite? And I hated answering that question because everything is vintage. Mm-hmm. I collect vintage fragrance and most of that 560, 575 plus bottle collection of mine is vintage. Mm-hmm. And so my, my three holy grail fragrances are all vintages that don't exist anymore. And my absolute favorite is insanely expensive on eBay. And that's La Arte de Gucci from okay. 1991. Wow. And I think if my memory serves me right, it was the last fragrance released under the Gucci perfume licensing agreement before the Gucci family bought it back in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the movie or read the book, but yeah. this is talked about in the book how, you know, they, the family had licensed the name out for so many different things and then right. eventually bought everything back. And so those Gucci fragrances from the 70s, 80s and early 90s were just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, Arte de Gucci is the most goth rose you could ever smell. It is incredible. It is very animalic. Mm-hmm. Lots of castorium, civet, this really, really dark green rose, wow. patchouli. I would like to be buried with my bottles of this. Um, and I own- Bottle, How many do you have? Many, many. I, I may have the uh, U.S.'s largest collection of this fragrance. How many um, do you- I want numbers. I'm a little embarrassed to give numbers of some of these <laughs> bottles, but besides Larte de Gucci, my other two would be L'Envan's Arpege. Mm-hmm. Classic. I definitely have at least 25 bottles of that in different formulations. Um, Can you smell them and know which formulation it is? Yes. Wow. And how did you, okay, so how did this happen? Like, how did you get into vintage fragrances? And you have so many bottles. How often are you wearing them? Um, I try to wear something different every day, but truth be told, that doesn't happen because my storage is not big enough for my collection. And so my bottles are literally, it looks like Tetris if you open the cabinet. Mm -hmm. So I I have to every so often rearrange everything and move things to the front Mm -hmm. so that I can actually remember what I own and try to wear something different. 
I, I tend to wear whatever I left out. Got it. I'm the same way. Out of sight, out of mind, unfortunately. Or I don't wear anything at all and I just choose something when I come to the office. Right. Because that's easier for me. And also I like being able to wear what we distribute. Right. Because every time I spray something from the office, I realize something different about the fragrance. Yeah. And it's important for me to keep them fresh in my mind. Okay, but going back to your collection, because we <laughs> got to go back to your collection. I mean, yes. But yeah, I have some crazy, I have some I, crazy things in yeah. my collection. Um, you know, the other vintage that I love dearly is Miss Dior. Mm -hmm. And I prefer the houndstooth print eau de cologne splash. Mm. I have probably at least 20 of those so in different sizes. Theoretically, I was like looking for a bottle and was like a friend. I was like, I know you got a stash of 20. Can I get one of them from you? Would uh, How are you in terms of like, it's like there. You're, you're it not depends. Gonna, yeah, it depends. Um, I do own decanting supplies at home. So I am pretty generous about sharing. Yeah the quote-unquote juice but to actually give the you bottle to the someone bottle. Yeah. it the vintage you know whenever I invite someone over to my apartment or my fiance has a friend over mm -hmm. I will typically let people just go through my cabinet and the only part that's off limits is the vintage part right but you know the, the current stuff have fun have fun and if there's something you like let me know and I'll yeah. let you know if you could take it and eight out of ten times they can take it yeah just take the bottle wow Okay. I, have, I have a lot of stuff. Yeah. And what is your fiance's <laughs> um, relationship with fragrance and how do you both fit in that apartment with all those bottles? Um, Asking for a friend. Thankfully, um, he's actually quite into it. Not in the way that I am, of mm -hmm. course. He's a musician. Mm -hmm. He appreciates the connection between music and scent. Mm -hmm. You know, if he were here, he'd be able to explain this to you better than I could. But um, he has a fantastic sense of smell and mm -hmm. a very discerning nose and thank goodness his taste and mine are very similar mm -hmm. he does have his own section of the cabinet which he complains he can't access because there are so many bottles but he he really enjoys fragrance i actually pulled out for you to smell mm -hmm. his current favorite Ooh. which is also from bdk what and it? it's a creme de queer Ooh. at some point we have to figure out smell a vision or smell a pod because i wish that everyone could just smell this office and smell everything that we've been spraying that is lovely oh my god so aromatic mm -hmm. but leathery yeah spicy Ooh. it's the kind of thing where Felipe, i might need to get you a bottle of this it's the sort of fragrance where it whenever i'm visiting one of our retailers who carries bdk and someone comes up and says i need something for my boyfriend or my husband or my partner this is usually what I give them. It's so to nice. smell. Yeah. It is delicious. So this fragrance is inspired by Mark Rothko's beige series. The the paintings he mm -hmm. did that are the gradients of the color beige. And so this is meant to smell like beige suede. Wow. Like a beige suede jacket. Yes. But I almost get like something sort of like basil-y in there I don't know what what mm -hmm. the notes are but there's and do you smell the pineapple as well like that fruitiness oh yeah and like a little like it's it's kind of like limey yeah there's the hint of the aromatic with the bergamot oh so beautiful it's... that is stunning yeah today's perfume juice is one of the most exciting ones yet if you guys heard several episodes ago 
in the episode with Linda Levy, I teased a perfume room smell club. I kind of spoke too soon. Honestly, like the idea was born the day before I recorded it. I just spit it out on the podcast and I was like, somehow I'm going to make this happen. And now I am excited to announce that it is happening and the official retail partner of the Perfume Room Smell Club is Lucky Scent. I don't know why I just said Lucky Scent like I'm a Disney villain. I was like, Lucky Scent. But in any event, I am over the moon. I couldn't ask for a better partner. And each month I will pick a new theme and curate five cents based on that theme. And the sample packs will be available for you to order on LuckyScent.com. If you want to peep them right now, just search Perfume Room Smell Club. And I have opened up early access registration right now for the people who signed up in advance. And there were double the amount of people that signed up that I had spots for. So I'm giving it a full at least 24 hours before I open it up to everybody else. So if you are listening to this and there are still spots left, it will be available to sign up today. Otherwise, I recorded this the day before and there were only like 25 spots left. So let's see what happens. If you are interested in this and you can't get a spot for March, message me, give me your email address, and I will put you on the early access list for April. Let's get back to Josie. So when did you first get into fragrance? Um, when I was born. <laughs> Straight out the womb. Basically, you know, in um, Latinx culture, it is very standard to send to your baby. You know, there are lots of baby colognes, usually violet scented or citrus. So if mm -hmm. you ever go to a store that is, you know, predominantly in a uh, Hispanic market, you, you just look at the beauty supply section. There's just nothing but these baby splashes. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. my mother was very into perfume when I was a child. I mean, I was born in the 80s. So it was the heyday of all the crazy, loud 80s fragrances mm -hmm. like opium and Giorgio mm -hmm. and poison. My mother Giorgio baby, is that what you wore? <laughs> no, my mother wore Paris, actually, by Yves Saint Laurent, which oh, was kind of the... I guess the prototype for lipstick rose mm -hmm. from Frederick Mall, if you've ever smelled, that's mm -hmm. very powdery rose violet, but mm -hmm. you know, appropriately eighties, it's strong as hell. And the first fragrance I remember her giving me was a bottle of Shalimar. You were telling me <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah you had Shalimar was like a four year old or something. Yeah, younger, right? younger. It was like two Crazy. or three. Um, and that, that combined with the fact that my Sunday morning chore as a toddler was to dust all of my mother's perfume bottles. <sighs> I love your mom. Just that put me on the track to loving this. Yeah. And I've always loved fragrance and makeup, even though I was never really into fashion until mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I always had perfume and, and makeup to make me feel more of an adult or more of a woman or you know, just more myself. And so every holiday, every birthday, Christmas, Three Kings Day, Easter baskets full of perfume. It was, A you know, when Easter. I when I moved into my dorm at NYU, when I started college, my roommate was like, what the hell? When I unpacked, like I had no clothes, yeah. but then it was like this gigantic, tr like person-sized trunk of makeup and perfume. Oh my God, I love it. It was hilarious. You know, by the time I, I graduated and like moved to my first apartment it was literally nothing but makeup and perfume that we moved so is the obsession with makeup as deep as it is yeah. for fragrance as well it is okay and so when I actually started in the industry I started as a makeup artist oh cool and in skincare I mean you're looking at me you see I have a full face of makeup you look even gorgeous. with the mask yeah 
you know, even masking, I have a full face on. Um, But the fragrance hobby for me really deepened, or at least for niche fragrance, really deepened when I was in college, Mm -hmm. partially because I finally had the money Mm -hmm. to buy really higher end fragrances, but also again, back to what I was saying before, the niche fragrance trend, niche fragrance market in the U.S. really took off around the time I was graduating from college. Like um, Killian launched when I was a junior, I mm-hmm. think. Um, Serge Luton entered the U.S. market when I was a junior. Um, what else launched around the time? Like Bond was becoming a thing when I was in college. So do you associate those scents with times in your life? Like, do you think like Serge Luton and you're like, oh, junior year of college. I do actually. I I do. I definitely have, um, a bit of an olfactive Rolodex in my head. You know, I smell things and I can think about, you know, ex-boyfriends or places I went to or former friends of mine or events in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I find myself even now gravitating towards lines that are very explicit in that sort of branding, that sort of memory building. Mm -hmm. You know, like BDK, which I know you love. I do. The entire concept of BDK is an olfactive library of memory Mm. and storytelling. And I love that. Even the packaging, if any of you have ever seen the box for BDK, they actually are designed to look like books. Oh, I don't think I knew that. I guess because I never had a full bottle of BDK. I never set the box. So I'll have to show you the packaging. So you can see, so like the spine of the quote unquote book has the story of the fragrance and Mm -hmm. then the cover of the book. So the other side of the box has Mm -hmm. the notes, like a table of contents. And I love that. Yeah. I, I love when fragrance brands will really lean into these very, I don't want to say esoteric concepts, but these concepts that really kind of tug at a special place in your psyche. So besides BDK, are there any other brands that you feel are really doing that well right now? Let's see. I'm looking at what or not, you know, well, in terms of what we distribute, I really like the concept of fragrance Dubois, Mm -hmm. which I know for a lot of people, they look at the price tag and they go, Oh my God. What These is are. what is the price tag? So fragrance Dubois, they start at about three twenty five oh, and go upwards of a thousand dollars. Oh my god! And I think that a lot of times people will see a really high end fragrance line and kind of blow it off. Yep. But fragrance Dubois is definitely a brand that is worth discovering, and I say this as someone who has owned fragrance Dubois for years, mm-hmm. even well before I started working here. Mm-hmm. The line was developed as a response or in part to a response with how fragrance as a luxury market was not taking into account the distinct possibility of creating endangered species. So, you know, Wait, one can you say I just have to process that again? Yeah. So a lot of times and this is something that consumers will get really upset about fragrances getting reformulated. Right. Yes. What a lot of consumers don't realize is that reformulations have a tendency to happen because ingredients become unavailable or incredibly expensive due to issues that are created by climate change or over farming. Mm -hmm. And so Fragrance Dubois was created in response to that. Mm. 
you know, when oud hit the market here as a hot ingredient or a hot trend about a decade ago, you know, with Tom Ford launching his, the private blends and mm -hmm. oud wood being one of the original fragrances, the tree, the species of tree that the oud resin comes from, the aquilaria tree, is one that suffers from overlogging. Um, under farming, um, and also just due to how oud is harvested, oft, sometimes often the tree gets very damaged, the tree can sometimes die. It's mostly an overlogging issue. Mm -hmm. And so the owner of the brand was like, oh my gosh, you know, we have these brands charging hundreds of dollars for these expensive fragrances. They're not even using real oud. And if they are, are they paying attention to the fact right. that this is an endangered species? This tree has been an endangered species since 2007. We have to do this responsibly. And mm -hmm. so Fragrance Dubois really took it upon themselves to say, hey, we're going to actually have our own farms. We're going to work with the communities in these countries where these trees grow. We're going to make sure that they're paid properly, that they're paid mm -hmm. fairly, that they're given education opportunities, that they're given housing, that they are not being taken advantage of mm -hmm. by this market. And we're going to ethically, organically, sustainably create fragrances using real oud. But we're going to do it in a way that also appeals to people outside of the Eastern market because mm -hmm. a lot of times oud fragrances are quite heavy. Mm -hmm. Oud is an ingredient that smells very smoky, sometimes animalic, very right. strong, heavily woody, and it's not a scent that a lot of people are used to. Mm -hmm. And so this brand said, okay, so not only are we going to do this properly, responsibly, safely for this tree, but we're going to make this something that everyone can wear and mm -hmm. enjoy and learn about. And, you know, when you see the price tag on the bottle, you say, okay, well, this definitely has real oud. They all come with a certificate of certification. Mm -hmm. to tell you where the oud came from, wow. when it was aged, where the tree was from, what farm it was from. Wow. They include a real oud chip in the packaging. Cool. All the packaging is recycled glass, recycled cardboard. You know, they're really taking care. You know, it is possible to have luxury, right. but have it responsibly. And so yeah. I really like that. That's really interesting, too, because I feel like clean and cruelty-free is often um, intertwined with being sustainable. But I, this is, is this cleaning? This is sustainable, but it's still, it's not necessarily clean. I'm not a fan of that word. I am not either. I do not like it. Um, because it applies, if it, it, it basically says if it's not that, it's the opposite of clean, which is dirty. And that's yes, not true. Yes, it's. It's very degrading language. Um, it makes me think of, you know, health crises of the past, like the AIDS epidemic in the 90s where people were called clean versus dirty. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's very stigmatizing language. Green is something else, whether something's organic. Mm -hmm. Yes, this brand is really looking to use sustainably sourced materials, mm -hmm. if that answers. But I do not like using the word clean. Like I, we, I agree. Yeah. Green, I think is a much better word. Sustainable. It also gets the point across better. Yeah. I mean, I've had guests of who have been on every p viewpoint on this mm -hmm. topic. And where I stand is if you can create something that it doesn't have phthalates or, yeah. you know, the things that, and it's a great product. Great. But I don't, but based on the research that I've read, mm -hmm. I don't believe that they are doing all these horrible things that a lot of people in the clean beauty movement say that they are i i think the target should be sustainability mm -hmm. and should be green if you can do it mm -hmm. but clean is a word that we i think we just need to leave 
behind us. You know, we do distribute a line called Obvious that actually is incredibly green in everything that they do. When you say green, what do you mean by that? So green, the packaging is totally recyclable. Mm -hmm. And it was, the bottles actually, I'll show you after they're over there, but every single component of this fragrance from the box to the bottle, to the nozzle, to the spray, to the cap, to the mm -hmm. glass, to the ink on the bottle, everything was designed in mind that it could be broken down, that it could be wow. recycled, okay. that it will not cause harm to the environment. And the fragrances are not 100% natural, they're 97% natural, and the 3% that's synthetic, because quite frankly, a totally natural fragrance has a tendency to not wear properly, right. not wear for a long time, to kind of fall apart on the skin. The synthetics that are used in their fragrances are actually developed using green processes by Simrise and IFF and mm. Givadon. Okay. So yes, it is possible to actually make synthetics right. using sustainable and green processes. Yeah. I think that's people cool. have decided like what the enemy is and I, I, I don't necessarily agree that that's, I just don't think that's no. the case. No, and uh, you definitely have to do your research into brands that mm -hmm. claim to be sustainable, eco-friendly, green. If these ingredients were as harmful as people claim, they'd be well, our, people would be getting sick, right? Yeah. How would how we even be alive? Our grandmothers would have grown three heads and four limbs. This is a well, great They segue. have four limbs. You know, six limbs, seven limbs. Let's talk about old lady perfume. If Ugh. perfume was killing you, how how could old lady, how could there be old lady I perfume? Because you got to get old, which means you're not dying. Stop with calling things old lady. It is. So you asked me before how I got into vintage fragrance. I did. And it was my best friend who really introduced me to vintage fragrance. And my best friend was a very well-known blogger who went by the name The Non Blonde. Mm. Um, she was one of the first fragrance bloggers. She started in the mid-2000s. And she had the most incredible collection of vintage fragrance that the world has ever known. And she was really the one who got me into fragrance. And she passed away in November 2019. I'm so sorry. And, you know, growing old is a privilege. Yes. And it is incredibly insulting to hear people call fragrances old lady. Now, I know where they get that from because there are notes and accords and synthetics that we tend to equate with the fragrances of time past you know the things that our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers wore you know like aldehydes for example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um chanel number no. five mm -hmm. is probably the example we all know of that smells quote-unquote old lady to a lot of people no, it's just, it's a classic fragrance. Right. We're just, we're equating things in that fragrance with older people in our lives. Time has passed and yeah. people have aged if they've had the privilege to. Yeah, because it is a privilege. Yeah. We don't all get to grow old. Sorry, my voice is cracking here a little bit. But um, but even that, even then with aldehydes, with those sorts of, of ingredients, there are modern ways to do them. Or there are ways to replicate that sort of effect without mm -hmm. using those ingredients. Like the Dom Rosa from Liquide that we smelled earlier, mm -hmm. which is a take on rosé champagne. A lot of times 
fragrances that are inspired by the smell of champagne tend to use aldehydes mm-hmm. to get that sort of bubbly, fizzy effect. Right. You smell them, right? right? Dom Rosa doesn't use aldehydes. It uses grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very to, effervescent to, and yeah, very tart. Yeah, it, it uses fun. grapefruit instead. So it's a very modern take on that classic sort of aldehyde. Right. I love that. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. And it smells, when you when you sprayed that, did you think that that smelled vintage to you? No, or? not at all. But also, no. I agree with you. And I I, I brought up the, the mm-hmm. air quotes old lady because it was something we had talked about before we started recording of just like, can people stop saying that, you know? And, um, and, and even so like, what, what is vintage? You know, I was right. at the diner. I don't know if you, fo- I mean, you follow me on my personal Instagram. I don't know if you saw my story from yesterday. I was at a diner eating pancakes, listening to 101.1 CBS FM, which here in New York and Jersey is the oldie station. Mm-hmm. And they started to play the Fuji's cover of killing me softly yeah, on the oldie station. And I wanted to scream. Yeah. 90s is vintage now. I mean, look at TikTok. <gasps> it's Gen Z loves to emulate the 90s the way that like, I don't know. I mean, I think about like when I was, you know, in the early 2000s, it was like the 80s were coming back. And it, it's like 20, it's always like 20 to 30 years prior that start to come back. And it's also just crazy because the 90s to me will always feel like five years ago. But at this point, the 90s were 30 years yes, ago. I yeah, know it's yeah. wild. You know, as for the whole 90s love on TikTok, I do not use TikTok personally, but you know, anyone here who was part of fashion talk, I beg you, we had better clothes back then. I'm going to be 35. Leave the Delia's catalogs alone. It was a sad time for all of us. Okay. Thank you. Wow. But perfume talk. I love all of you. Like I have to tell you one of the crazy things about working in this industry now is seeing how perfume talk has blown up it really has it's so amazing to see how that drives hype and sales for fragrances i've i've seen videos that i've created that have gone viral and then i've seen like their sales go up it's it's really cool so did i even tell you how i discovered you in your podcast it was actually because of perfume talk oh so my other best friend the one that's thankfully still here with us um follows a comedian that I guess you know, and she found you on Perfume Talk. But she found you and started watching you and started sending me uh, clips from TikTok or from Instagram, all of these people who said that they bought BDK Gris Charnel because of you. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? Who is this? I have to thank them. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's what I think the the idea of social media driving demand is something yeah. that we sort of talked about of like you were talking about like how people used to discover fragrances yeah. versus now. And are there certain brands that Quintessence has started carrying because of the social media demand or that you've seen sales just go up like crazy because well, of social media? You know, again, all of the brands that uh, my boss has picked up, he picked up because his nose is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying this because I know you're going to listen to this later, Nico, but it's true. You <laughs> Nico, have, this is dedicated to you. You have fantastic taste. But yes, I can totally see when a fragrance has hit Instagram or Perfume Talk because all of a sudden our retailers will just start selling out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gris Charnel is a fantastic example that is the global bestseller for BDK. It's so beautiful. 
Um, and I see it in every video. Or if it's not Gris Charnel, then it's Rouge Smoking or it's Passezois. Mm-hmm. Um, Fragrance Dubois, Minuit Demi, Demi Rawlings mm-hmm. fragrance, mm-hmm. I see in every TikTok, which mm-hmm. is just incredible. Um, same with Santal Complete, which we just smelled. I smelled that one and I am in awe. Tropical Sandalwood Coconut Heaven. It is so beautiful and oud jean which you yeah. just oh my god i mean that is like a frangipani tuberose yeah. oud dream so jean is french for the word yellow so this this fragrance is meant to evoke for you the color yellow and what do you think of when you think of the color yellow you think of the sun yeah and what do we think of when we think of the tropical sun? tropical fun time exactly we think of the beach um what's Sunburns. another that's what i think of peeling skin <laughs> what's another fragrance that i've seen all over perfume talk and instagram um, oh, from I don't have the tester here in the office. I'm sorry, but Royal Crown makes a fragrance called Isabella, mm-hmm. and the bottle is pink. Ooh, and it is I've a, seen the bottle. It's a really beautiful tuberose. Yeah, and that's another fragrance where I started seeing our retailers were selling out of it, and I'm like, why? And so I went on to Instagram and I started combing through the hashtags and then I realized. And you see the video. You can I saw the back. videos. Yeah, yeah. And that is so cool. And you sprayed the vanilla. What? What is Oh, the- that was Sultan. Oh, so, oh my God. That is a yeah. stunt. If you like a vanilla fragrance, mm-hmm. thank me later. That is the one. Yeah, like if you're someone who loves uh, Tijota from Indult mm-hmm. or um, I'm trying to think of what's another really, really strong vanilla maybe like velvet vanilla from Mansara mm-hmm. or, you know, if you're someone that likes Baccarat Rouge, you like, you have a sweet tooth. Oh, Sultan's amazing. You the vanilla, the vanilla is so rich that it almost smells more like mocha. Yeah. That's so good. It's so amazing. So what of these quintessence fragrances, um, and you, there's so many amazing brands that you talked about. Mm-hmm. What are, um, three that maybe have not blown up yet that you're like, you gotta know about this. You're going to hear it first here. So Obvious is the first brand. Okay. So ob- when we were talking about green fragrances, Obvious is a brand that really walks the walk and talks the talk when it comes to making sustainable fragrance. Mm-hmm. Literally every aspect of these bottles, of the juice inside the boxes was designed to be recycled mm-hmm. and broken down in the environment. You know, the brand's creator, David Fassard, really wanted to make sure that if he was going to create a brand that said that they were eco-friendly, that they really were. Right. But he also wanted the fragrances to be interesting and be wearable and Mm -hmm. feel luxurious. And so this is a line of eight studies on a single note. So there's un verven, so there's a verbena, there's un Mm -hmm. poivre, so there's a pepper, un rose, it's a rose. And are they kind of like solo floors? Not quite. They're more sophisticated than that, which is interesting. You know, a lot of times when you see a single note on a bottle, you think it's just going to be very simplistic and Mm -hmm. very easy. They're easy to wear, but they're complex fragrances. And they're also designed to be layered with each other. Oh, cool. And if I have two to recommend, it's Un Rose and Un Veni. Nice. Would you layer them? Yes. Okay. It's a fantastic combination. The, the vanilla specifically, the Unveni, if you are someone who wants to like vanilla but finds most of them too sweet, this is a drier, woodier take on vanilla. Mm. So it's very sort of unisex, very easy to wear. Um, another line, uh, Parfums for Pont. So this is a line that was inspired by and created with the Frappant family of Cognac the famous cognac brand. Mm-hmm. And so the fragrances were initially all sort of boozy inspired. Mm-hmm. This is a line that admittedly does lean a little bit more unisex masculine. Mm-hmm. 
but there is one in particular from this house called Lascarina that is just the most amazing fruity floral. I want to smell. Do and we have it? Can I do. It? It's it's behind in there. So it's called Lascarina. So it's inspired by the famous Greek pirate Lascarina. Okay. So the fragrance was uh, conceived as a tribute to a powerful woman. Cool. So it is a spicy, fruity floral with mm. uh, frankincense dry down. Ooh. So it's black pepper and rose and pear, but with this really lovely incensey dry down. Oh, I love that. Oh, these bottles are beautiful. Yeah, the, and so the bottles are designed to look like cognac bottles. And if I if I have another suggestion from the brand, it would actually be the first fragrance from the house, which is called 1270. Uh, the Frappon oh. Cognac House was developed in 1270. And so 1270 smells like the most expensive, amazing glass of cognac. It's boozy, it's fruity, it's vanillic. It is so delicious. Lascarina is stunning. Isn't that so uplifting? I love this. That is like a happy, beautiful, slightly, like there's something a little green in it, but it's very floral. I love that. Where, so where can people get this brand? So that brand is sold at Lucky Scent. Um... So definitely Lucky Scent has a brand Beauty Habit, has a brand my former employer, Oswald, online carries the brand, who else, a ZGO in San Francisco, mm-hmm. the Scent Room in Dallas. That's stunning. I love that. Yeah. This is so fun. This is like and, the best ever. Okay, one more brand. Yes, um, please. Well, I guess our newest, uh, Liquide Imaginaire, which mm-hmm. you were telling me in the podcast with Valerie, you yes, were talking yes. about. Because um, she's in Europe, and as you yeah. said, we get everything last. Yeah, and uh, Liquide Imaginaire is quite big in Europe. And so the house has been around since 2012. It was in a very few select markets here in the U.S., And so this brand is inspired by alchemy and by mysticism. So think tarot cards. That's my bread and butter. They're all inspired by this sort of, you know, other world mysticism. Really interesting. So the bottles are designed to to be shaped like amporas, which were very sacred vessels for carrying around liquids and spices. Mm -hmm. And... So each little sub-collection within the brand is inspired by something mystic or something spiritual or something from history or something from the creator's imagination. So the Dom Rosa fragrance that we were talking about before mm-hmm. is part of a trilogy called O Sanguine, so blood. But not not human blood, not like, ooh, you know, we cut ourselves. It's more of red wine, mm-hmm. champagne, port. The good blood. So yeah, so spirits. Uh, Bet Humane is part of a series that's inspired by the human body. There is one fragrance that I've been wearing a lot on the weekends. Like, I'll just take the tester home from the office and wear it on the weekends. No, she didn't, Nico. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he wouldn't care. He wouldn't care. Um, you know, besides Gris Charnel, which is usually my Sunday fragrance because yeah. it's inspired by that Sunday morning in bed, um, there is a fragrance from Liquid called Phantasma mm-hmm. that is a really interesting uh, black tea and sesame fragrance with yuzu. So it is... Um, simultaneously, can we smell that one? Yeah. And so it is like skin musky, soapy, spicy, drinkable. It, I, I feel like that combination of words does not make sense. But when you smell it, it's like, oh God, like where was this all my life? It's the perfect fragrance for when you just want to smell good 
but you don't want it to smell boring. That's really pretty. And the uh, the musk that this fragrance uses is a special one that's designed to really smell like warm human skin. Wow. The way that it combines almost smells like when you walk through a lilac bush to me. Huh. I've never walked through a lilac bush, and now I need to find one. You know, growing up in the woods, lots of lilac bushes. Um, okay. We are, I, I could talk to you for 10 more hours, um, <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to ask you yes. about before we get to the final segment is you know so much about fragrance. Obviously, I'm sure some of it you learn on the job, but you mm-hmm. had to have kn- like, how are you so knowledgeable? Where did you learn? And yeah. My wallet suffered. That's how I learned. Okay. There's a reason I have over 500 bottles. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I tell this to anyone, whether they are getting into this as a hobby or they're trying to get a job in the industry. The only way to really learn about fragrance is to smell things. Yeah. Um, that's the beauty of sampling. It's it's amazing that there are so many retailers in this country that have sampling programs, uh, you know, brands that do have discovery kits available. If you're near a retailer, like a department store, Sephora, any place or a niche boutique, the ability to just go in and smell things mm-hmm. because scent is memory. You'll remember what's in a fragrance if you smell it a couple times. Yep. Um, and so when I was really getting into this as a hobby, I, I used to be a blogger. Mm -hmm. And so writing about fragrance actually really helps. You know, when I used to work at my former job at Oswald, um, I had multiple clients that would come in with notebooks wow, and would just, you know, take notes as they sniff the fragrances on on the blotters. And I was like, yeah, that's really the best way to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a lot of spending my own money. It was a lot of writing and it was a lot of reading. You know, I was lucky enough to have gotten into this hobby during the heyday of written fragrance blogs. So Mm -hmm. that 2003, 2004 to about 2010, 2011 period, because once Facebook really opened up for people and Instagram became a thing, people stopped writing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Oh, and YouTube. I Mm -hmm. always forget about YouTube. Once people started doing videos, people stopped writing. Right. But I just read a lot. I also have a ton of fragrance books. I'll have to send you a picture of my bookshelves later. I want a picture. Can I want to post a picture of your collection? Um, oh, it's when so we embarrassing. It's such a mess. It's, but, uh, it's um, amazing. It's a museum. It, it is a museum. I, you could charge people for tours and they would pay. I'm just putting that out there. Um, I usually just invite people over for cookies. They want to yeah. do small things. Hi, I'm your new friend, Emma. Let me uh, know when I can there's, come over. <laughs> there's a fantastic uh, Colombian bakery around the corner from me. So I'll bring over some Colombian pastries and we will have a, yeah, ourselves you just a smell. Sit on the floor and just pull things out of the cabinet. Nothing sounds do. better to me. Um, but no, it really was just a lot of smelling, writing, smelling, spending money, smelling, smelling, smelling. That's, mm-hmm. that's really how I learned. And then again, I, I worked in retail for yeah. over a decade. You right. know, I worked at Bergdorf. I worked at Saks. I was at Oswald for seven and a half years. Um, I was constantly surrounded by fragrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when it got to the point where I just couldn't bring myself to walk into a store when I wasn't working, mm-hmm. I had clients mail me <laughs> samples of things like, Hey, I think you should smell this. Or people would bring samples in when they wow. came to the store. That's so you nice. Know, like just I know you don't shop anymore. So here, I brought you some things to smell. Wow. Because at least on the retail end of things, it's incredibly important to be knowledgeable about other brands, even Mm -hmm. if the store that you work at doesn't carry them. Yeah, you got to just, you got to have that baseline knowledge. Okay, so really quick, thinking about your own collection, Mm -hmm. um, if you had to say, okay, I would be curious to know what was your biggest splurge that you were like, there goes rent. And then what is one that is your best affordable recommendation that you feel like everyone should just have a bottle of this? 
Okay, that the second question is the easier one. Let's do it um, first. <laughs> Kim Kardashian, Pure Honey. Okay. I am unashamed. Yeah, it's I didn't fantastic. ask you if there were if you had a hot take, but I mean, Kim K, good fragrance. Um, it's you know it's the pre KKW. Uh huh. I've heard that it's actually really really. It's good. fantastic. Okay, um, Kim Kardashian, Pure and honey. the the perfumer who made that fragrance, Claude Deer, he has actually done a ton of niche darlings. Um, he's the perfumer behind Amarud, for example. Oh, if wow. you've heard of that brand, yes, of um. Course. When I told him that was his favorite fragrance of mine, he just laughed at me for a few. He was like, "What?" Yeah, he was like, "All like, the things." Uh, like, if anything, it's like a, it's like a what a no. Feat. I yeah. look. If you are someone who loves a honeyed floral, if you're someone who really likes orange blossom, if you're someone I am, who, yes, check check, who likes a more powdery fragrance, yes. Kim K Pure Honey. Um, it's very very inexpensive online. I'm just saying. Okay. And if you hate it, you could send it to me because I love it. Yeah. Now, my biggest. 571. <laughs> my biggest splurge. Oh, geez. I got to think about this. Um, this is a safe space. I want you to know. Oh, I, I, I do not judge people on how much they spend on bottles. I feel like if you can afford it and you love it, there is no shame. Thank you for justifying the purchases spend, I'm about to spend do. Spend the thousand dollars on fragrance Dubois and Raja. If you can afford it. Go ahead. You only live once. Mm -hmm. But my own biggest splurge. I'm very lucky to have been sent a lot of things, but in terms of what I bought, I once, it might be when I went to Paris a couple of years ago and I went to the Serge Luton boutique and I bought five or six bell jars at once. Wow. But considering the, you know, the Euro at that time, and also getting the tax back when I came back to the U.S. It wasn't as expensive as you might think it was. Yeah. I think it came out to maybe $1,100. Mm-hmm. No, it had to be less. I think it was about 1000 Okay. for all of those. Serge Luton's was my first um, splurge Which purchase. one? Um, Santal School. Oh. Yeah. I was in the... Um, Barney's Basement Beauty Store. All right, another, yeah, another, another yeah. legend gone. And I smelled every single fragrance at every single counter. I had time and I had money. Mm-hmm. Not money. I mean, it was like, I'm going to make one purchase. And <laughs> Santal Magic School just like won me over. And uh, yeah, that was my first purchase. And it was, I, I will never forget, like just feeling so amazing. Like just feeling yeah. like, wow, like I have a niche fragrance yeah. like in my collection. It's it's the best. That that feeling is just indescribable. Yeah, it really is. We have one final segment of the okay. show, which is I'm crazy because I could think of a thousand more things yeah. to ask you. I know. This but could have been like a three-parter. This could be a three-parter. The final segment of the show is called What's That Smell? And it is rapid fire scent association. Okay. Mm, what's that smell? You can say anything. Anything All you right. say is correct. I'm holding on to no the chair, rules. everyone. All right. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready to play What's That Smell? I think so. Okay. What is the smell of your middle school years? Curve. Mm-hmm. The men's curve. What is the smell of NYU freshman year? Givenchy Hakatour. Okay. What is the smell of um, senior year? Flower by Kenzo. These are all lovely. Okay. Now, what is the smell of if you could make a dream perfume tomorrow with everything you love? What is that smell? Honestly, I'm just remaking Larta de Gucci. Okay. Larta de Gucci. That's yeah. the dream. What is the smell of happiness? Frying oil. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. It's frying oil. Yeah. 
And would we wear it as a perfume? Maybe. I mean, you know. Not you know, do. there are stranger scents out there. There and are. And if I could find a niche take on canola oil, I would give it a spin. Uh, this is a new assignment. I'm going to look up to see if this exists. <laughs> um, what is the smell of the, of the strangest fragrance you've ever smelled? And what was the fragrance? The strangest fragrance I ever smelled. It doesn't mean it was bad. Just like peculiar. I wish I could think further back. And I'm sure I'm going to think of something else after we're done with this, but I'll give you something that I smelled last night. Okay. And it's not strange in a bad way. It's yeah. strange in a haunting way. But uh, my dear friend is the uh, creator and owner of Chronotope Perfume, if you've heard of that indie sure. house, uh, okay. Carter. His latest fragrance, uh, Silhouetta, is the smell of um, damp earth and and blood. And... I don't think I have enough time to explain the brief of this fragrance, but I promise you it's absolutely heartbreakingly beautiful, Mm. but it is absolutely the smell of, you know, soft blooms and warm earth and spilled blood. Wow. So that might be the strangest thing I've smelled recently. Interesting. But highly recommended. Very cool. Okay. The final question. All right. I'm ready. I can't believe we're here, but we are. (laughs) Okay. What is the smell? Of Josie Plumet. Very indolic jasmine. That's my smell. I love that for you. Uh, Serge Luton Saracen. Just dirty white floral. That's me. Dirty white floral. Love to hear it. Okay. Well, (laughs) Josie, it's been so fun talking to you. Oh my gosh. Genuinely could have done this for like five more hours. Um, Where can people follow Quintessence? Where can people follow you? Okay. So. Quintessence does have their own Instagram account and you can follow us there at Quintessence underscore NYC. So that's K-I-N-T-E-S-S-E-N-C-E underscore NYC. And I hope I spelled that right. Sounds right to me. (laughs) Um, And so that way you could discover more about the brands that we represent and distribute and learn more about our retailers, which I think is really important because you see these things online and you're like, where the heck do I get them? Yeah. I'm here to help you with that. Um, personally, I can be found at, at Joey Bunny Fufu. Great. Thanks spelled as is. Yes, yeah, spelled like Lil Bunny Fufu, but with Joey at the front. So yeah, we J-O-E-Y can, we can Bunny Fufu. It's a, it's a nod to uh, the Moldy Peaches cover of Lil Bunny Fufu. I love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Josie, thank you so very much for thank coming you. on the Perfume Room. Thank you. And I have to make you some samples before you go. <laughs> You too, Wyatt. Do you guys hear this? Why did I get a sample? Oh my God. Wyatt, do you have any parting words that you're getting sample? It's all worth it, folks. There we go. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. <laughs>